0: Buenos Dios, dudes and dudettes. Welcome to Tap That AZ, the show that highlights the best places to get a beverage in Arizona and introduces you to the people behind these places. I'm your host, Eric Walters. In this episode, I actually got to hang out with Ray Dalmuro from Refresh Glass, a company looking to redefine glass recycling in Arizona. Ray's on a mission to rescue 10 million wine bottles across the state of Arizona at the time of this recording they were less than 3,000 bottles away from their first million you can actually track their progress at their website at refreshglass.com here's the catch he doesn't just recycle the bottles he makes them into pretty awesome things like drink glasses planters home decor really awesome stuff super cool dude Once again, sound quality wasn't what I wanted, but coming up in the next episode, this will all change. Hang in there folks, grab a drink, enjoy the show. So I'm here with uh, Ray Delmuro from Refresh Glass, and Ray, thanks for joining me, dude. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, this is
1: awesome. Yeah, fun.
0: So Ray gave me a little tour of the facility, and uh, what? It, so tell us about Refresh. Like, what is Refresh Glass?
1: So, Refresh Glass, we target everything around our mission to rescue and repurpose 10 million wine bottles. That would have otherwise been thrown away, and we we transform them into functional, everyday, usable wares like drinking glasses and bases, nice. candle holders, and cool stuff like that.
0: Okay, so how how where are you guys at f- from that ten million?
1: Actually, that's perfect timing because we are about, I think, in the next month, going to hit our first million bottles of rescue.
0: Really nice, man. Yeah, we're pumped. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So. Where okay, so I've seen people where you can get those kits online for like 50 bucks or whatever, sure. you can cut the top of a Corona mm-hmm. bottle off. So, what gave you the idea to do this like at a high volume?
1: So, actually, I, I started with one of those kits. Oh, really? You know, and okay. uh, my background I mean, I was I loved making things ever since I was a little kid between drawing and you know, modifying my BMX bike, and that turned into buying a hot rod that I worked on. Uh, obsessively probably in college and building my own furniture to I was an engineer for an aerospace company and I focused on lean and manufacturing so okay like my whole career has been based on building things um yeah. and that's where my passions really lie and then at some point after school and after having worked for five years you know in the professional engineering and, and manufacturing world it just I just kind of lost my fire I started getting into management and and managing people and I didn't get to play with stuff anymore. Uh, um, so I resigned from that world and I went on a trip around the world for a year um, nice. to figure out my passion profession. And when I got back, I decided that I wanted to do something that combined the three aspects of like the animated response to art. Even you know, when you pick up something cool that's handmade, and you're like, oh, I want this, or like, you know, yeah. this is my new favorite, whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Um,
0: what the creation just, part of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A, I think. Uh, in simplest terms, I think art has an appeal to emotion, and engineering has an appeal to function and utility. I mean, it's okay. useful. It, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It right. logically fits in your life. And the third part that I want to work on was something that was more than just me. You know what I mean? I, I'm fairly type A-driven dude. You know what I mean? I went straight through school and got my engineering job and worked my way up to director level in my 20s, and it was just all resume building and uh, personal growth. You know what right. I mean?
0: Right, yeah. And on my trip it kind of opened my eyes a bit to the bigger world you know what i mean and and how gratifying it is to
1: help other people by doing what you love you know what i mean that's kind of where refresh class started so when i got back i was working for a six sigma company as a consultant i kind of jumped back in as i tried to figure out how i can make those three criteria come true all at the same time um and shortly after that, I mean, a refreshed glass was born because I got one of those kits and I thought that, you know, it's, they ask you to use like a candle and and sandpaper. And I worked on a couple glasses for hours and <laughs> yeah. I thought they sucked really
0: bad. <laughs> yeah.
1: The edge quality was crap and they look all scratchy and they weren't like perfectly fat and even. The whole thing just annoyed my engineering right. sensibility. So, <laughs> yeah. no. The ego in me was like, screw this, I can do it better. And I started buying torches and asking around for people. And that turned into a farmer's market booth when I kind of started to figure it out, trying to hustle, you know, four glasses at a time for right. 20 bucks for my <laughs> top ramen and Kool-Aid money. Yeah. Um, and man, I mean, it, from that farmer's market booth, it just grew from there.
0: And did you, so did you start off with beer bottles, wine bottles, just whatever?
1: actually i've primarily focused on wine bottles. the hard part that a lot of people don't think of is packaging so in in order to ship glass safely across the country which is kind of an ordeal cuz i've had you know fedex and ups drivers tell me to like don't even bother putting fragile stickers on stuff cuz not everyone really even pays attention to it they just move through the, their systems or whatever they are they just throw it on a truck and on a conveyor and right. throw it back on a truck <laughs> yeah. you know so in yeah. for the packaging part to really work I needed something that was consistent diameter and something that was thick and durable. So, beer bottles, and I've I've done some work with them in the past. You know, they can turn out awesome, but they don't hold very much liquid.
0: Uh, okay. And they're relatively yeah. Relatively thin. Yeah. You
1: know, so, so the durability and the, um, well, call it durability at home and the durability in transit.
0: Ah, uh, that's a good point. We're yeah. We're both,
1: um, not favorable right. for me, and then a lot of liquor bottles are trademarked. So there's Uh, been other people who've tried to do what I do. I've gotten cease and desists from Belvedere or whoever it is, you know, because they're trying to use someone else's brand to make them money.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And there's just a ton of wine bottles around. So
0: yeah. And they're pretty standard, right? For the most part. Yeah. For the most, I mean,
1: 750 milliliters, they're usually around 11 and a half to 12 inches tall around a pound. You know what I mean? Like come in five common colors. Like we have a new color that's teal. It's kind of cool right now that we've gotten access to, and every once in a while we'll do some cobalt blue ones. I probably shouldn't even say that because people ask for them all the time. We just very rarely, have them. right? Right.
0: Well, with all the listeners that I have so far, you'll probably get a lot of orders for those <laughs> yeah, ones. <I> those. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, backtrack a little bit because I'm really interested in in uh, your trip around the world. Like, what, so you, how long how long was it?
1: Uh, it was a full calendar year in two thousand seven. <laughs> Okay. So it's coming up on 10 years now, which blows my mind a little bit. Um, so I did uh, 21 countries and 39 cities wow. in a year, and I went all the way around going east. Really? So, yeah, I've seen some fun, crazy stuff. And it was basically either buy a house in Southern California, I was working in Huntington Beach, which isn't necessarily an ugly place, you know? Right. <laughs> but, I mean, it was 2006, which is funny now. Yeah, you know I mean, like, just realizing the timing of everything where I could have just lost all this money in equity
0: anyways. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, I just, I basically took that down payment that I was saving on a house and my big resume career, you know, in aerospace management or Six Sigma Consulting or whatever it was, and I said, screw it, and I've never heard of anybody traveling around the world before, not anybody I knew or not anybody that I've known that's known or at least I've never heard of the story. Yeah. And I was in my late 20s, and wasn't dating anybody at the time and screw it you know what i mean like yeah i'm out like turning my letter of resignation to the vp of ops and he's he he asked me like three times he's like who hired you away i was like no dude seriously i'm out yeah <laughs> i'm gonna figure some stuff out you're good yeah. like i'm not gonna poach anybody i'm not gonna talk crap you know what i mean i'm just right. i gotta go yeah and so i like my mom and my aunt met me and in, in spain i studied spanish there for three months and then i had friends meet me in rome and in Germany and, and Stuttgart and, and Malaysia or Kuala Lumpur. Oh wow,
0: that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, what did you like? What did you take from it? Like when you came back, like where where was your mindset? Like did that change kind of the way you saw things, the way you thought, anything like that?
1: Oh yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, honestly, the probably the biggest impact that I had on my entire trip wasn't even on my trip. It's when I got back and I had a garage full of. Shit that I didn't need anymore. Uh, Cause I've been so used to living out of a backpack. Yeah, and being completely fine with that. I mean, I had five shirts. Yeah, that's kind of like my rule for my backpack. is I can only carry five shirts. Yeah, because I carry like one of the smallest backpacks. Really? <laughs> um For someone who's doing this type of traveling, I always laugh at the people who have the, like the backpack that's like taller than their head. And it looks <laughs> like they have their entire closet in there, and right, like, they could survive on a mountain, no f- food or water. You know what I mean? Type yeah that wasn't my style I tried to I mean I had a laptop that was pretty much the heaviest thing I carried but other than that it was just clothes yeah like a little mini travel towel you know what I mean and some right. toiletries it wasn't much um yeah it, I I got home and I had to open the garage and I just had all this stuff that I hadn't really thought about for a year and I just got desensitized to, to stuff which is really funny now because I own a product company but
0: right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted it to be like the question I ask people all the time is, here, I'll ask you, how many things do you have at your house or that you touch every day that's not mass-produced that has a story to it? Or oh, can yeah. Can you think of many or any?
0: Not many. Not many at all. Can you think of any? No.
1: Okay. <laughs> no. And, and so, yeah. So that's kind of where I wanted to fit in, you know? And so now we're doing a lot of closing gifts for real estate agents. Okay. Because real estate agents with with zillow and trulia and, and open door and and all this competition and there's a couple of those agents around you know everyone knows so yeah. how to differentiate yourself how do you give a gift to someone that you've been working with that that they'll think about and that they'll talk about and they'll tell their friends about and give them an opportunity to say how amazing their agent was it's like yeah someone i come over to your house you know and visit you and your wife and your kids you know what i mean and right you're like hey you know would you like something to drink and you serve me a drink and these glasses. I mean, where'd you get those from? I got them from my cool agent. Yeah. You know, so it's just, and, and if not just around the dinner table. And I think that's awesome because each wine bottle has its own story, you know, of the winery it came from, what it was filled with, the occasion it was consumed at, where it was consumed at, yeah. the shape, the geometry, the color. There's a lot of variety in each bottle. So no four pack that we ever sell is ever going to be the same. Yeah. And I like the anti-commodity aspect of it.
0: Yeah. I, I yeah, that's a good point because, so I have a set of your glasses. I love them. They're like my, they're like my fine China, you know? So, so when people come over and they want a beer, I'm like, Hey, do you want a glass or whatever? They're like, yeah, if there's a bunch of people, then I'll say, Hey, there's the, you know, those ones over there, which I like, sure. but then it's like, if it's like something that's more intimate or I want to impress somebody might I'm like, do check these out. Yes. And I, you know, you tell them a story, but I like how you said to each wine bottle has the story and and I think about that, too, of like, what was going on when this wine bottle was consumed? Was somebody celebrating something? Was it somebody had a stressful day at work and they were just, you know, they, they needed this at that moment? So that's a really good good point.
1: Yeah, it helps read personality and what we do. You know, I, I was in a meeting with a bunch of entrepreneurs earlier this week, and, you know, there was a guy that kind of in the middle of a big group of like 50 people, he's like, man, he's like, I am not passionate about what I do. Like my, my 10 year plan involves me not doing what I'm doing right now. And he's like, I like the way that supports my family and, and you know, pays the bills, you know, but I'm just not that into it. And it's totally the opposite for me. Whereas I've sacrificed and I've done the math and it blows my mind. It's like deep six figures of income that I've lost by pursuing this, you know what I mean? And now I think we've, we've hit the turning point and we've, we've really made it, you know what I mean? And we're growing, and we have a lot of opportunity, and we've gotten to work with some amazing people. But if I just did it for money, this is not what I definitely would have chose. Right. But it's sort of yeah. gratifying, all of the bottles we've collected and people we get to work with and the reviews that we get from people who genuinely seem to enjoy what we do. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: I think it's great because there's so many different um – kind of dimensions to, to your company is. So you've got the recycling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You've got the uh, local business aspect Absolutely. of it. Um, but then it's something cool, but it's something that has, I don't know, in my opinion, kind of like a higher purpose. you know. So I think it's hard to kind of get all of those into one area. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I think it's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it, that's it. It's it's the power of the and is kind of what we call it. I'm, I, I, I love reading books. I like books more than people. Like yeah, a couple hours a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really a social person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we met out.
0: Oh, we had a blast! Had yeah, a first blast. time we met. Yeah,
1: time. But uh, in all honesty, like the the best answers in the world are not like you think about being a teacher or you know what I mean, or having some high powers, you know, job that makes a lot of money that's just not very rewarding. You know what I mean? Right. Selling stuff that you don't enjoy. Yeah. You know, I had a buddy that sold in pharma and a lot of times pharma is more about pushing units than it is about helping people. Okay. You know? Yeah. And so I don't get me wrong. I mean, there's a lot of medications out there that do, you know, but prescribing stuff to as many people as possible, as opposed to as many people that actually need it is different conversation, you know? So right, it's yeah. just it, it, my conversation is more about the for love or money part, mm-hmm. you know? And so for me personally, I've been doing refresh class for eight years, and it, you know, for a long time, not didn't, ha- didn't, or hasn't paid. You know what I mean? What I could have been making as a Six Sigma consultant. Right. You know, but my belief is that if I can focus on providing value for other people, like the real estate agents, the corporate gifting people, or anyone who has a gift or wants to find something cool for their house. Yeah. Under fifty bucks, under fifty bucks in grade, or thirty bucks. You know, just in general for four pack glasses or whatnot, that's unique and everyday usable and enjoyable. You know what I mean? Right. That I want to have both Mm -hmm. and I want to provide both for other people. So I want to provide monetary value and emotional value. So it's that logic and emotion that we were talking about Yeah. before we turn the mics on Mm -hmm. that I want for myself by giving it to other people. Yeah. So I think the right answer is both and it's just, there's, it's very hard to do nowadays because there's so much competition Mm -hmm. for most commodities at least
0: right so so with with what you guys do what's the, what's the kind of take us through take me through the process of like a wine bottle in a recycling bin to sure. packaged
1: so the recycling bin parts kind of like the first problem is that glass is a commodity as a like commonly traded raw material like plastic or metal or okay. whatever right. you know paper um cardboard is it's, it's a monetary loser for the most part. Glass manufacturing facilities cost like billions of dollars to flow 2,500 degree molten glass through yeah. pipes and stuff like is yeah. very, very expensive. So there's only a few plants in the country and those plants are usually in very big places that have um, large recycling centers and, and manufacturers around them. That's why if you look on the back of a Corona bottle, you'll see like California, Pennsylvania, you know what I mean? Like right. all these places that already have plants there. That's why there's redemption values because from a logistics standpoint and trucking stuff around. And again, glass is really hard to transport as well because yeah. it can't be palletized, bundled, or wrapped. Uh, and i I've talked with, and I'm part of some recycling groups, and numerous people in the recycling world with big waste companies or recycling companies. And glass, even sometimes they told me, like, pulled me aside and I'm not going to use any names. You know what I mean? But it's like, Hey Ray, you know, the glass that even goes in the recycling bin, even though not everyone even has a recycling bin ends up in the landfill. Anyways, is the fill between the landfill uh, just because the recyclers can't find any money to use it for. So it's almost yeah. a, a ruse of sorts, glass. In really general. interesting. So there's a sign outside. I can show you it to you later. I didn't call attention to when we were on our little tour, but we were awarded recycling small business of the year for the state of Arizona wow. because we, Run so much volume in glass. Yeah. Um, so that that being said, um, we approach restaurants and hotels that go through large volumes of wine bottles. And we've created systems with them to where they happily, they send me Christmas cards for giving us our raw material for free. You know what I mean? Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully those will be coming in any week. Be- <laughs> um, <laughs> was it December? I don't even know what day is. December 9th, 10th.
0: Something like that. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't even know it was a weekend until you called. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, so that we've created a system to make it easy, operationally efficient, and financially efficient for them to get us, you know, lots and lots of bottles. So we're collecting about 20000 a month right now. Wow. And we're, we're looking to double next year, you know, and we have some plans. We're going to have our, our annual meeting here pretty quick. Um, so after we get them here in, in the shop, then we have the um, our awesome manufacturing crew or our, our – um, our team members, you know, take the labels off and clean them out, and transform them into to glasses that we inventory so that we can get them out quickly, either to to retail, corporate, or to um, hospitality customers. So yeah. We, we sell a lot to restaurants and hotels too.
0: Nice across the country.
1: Oh yeah, I think we're, yeah. I, my sales guy, uh, Rob, was telling me I think we're in every state now. Really? But I need to reconfirm that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. We're definitely though. in most of them, and it's cool. I mean, I show you a picture from my phone. Someone just posted a picture of us from like New York City. I think I saw that on, on your guys' Instagram. Place. yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't on ours. It was from someone else's. But, oh, okay. Um, it's just really cool to see that. You know what I mean? If I'm visiting my buddy in Jersey City, that we'll just you know take the hop over and go to a restaurant and see our stuff pretty much clear across the country.
0: Yeah. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. So, um, So your part, I, I read an article uh, in, what is it, Conscious Consumerism or Conscious, conscious uh, Capitalism. It's an organization that you're a part of. Is that right? It is. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So it's just a, it's a picture. It looks like it's a pretty fancy dinner, nice yeah, wine glasses. And the and restaurant's
1: then, called Molino Avino. in wow. New York. And I've always teased them that at some point I'm going to come down even though I've never been in like four years later. Right <laughs> yeah.
0: so um, conscious, conscious cap- capitalism, yeah. yes, what, what is that?
1: So I, I'm a founding member on the board of conscious capitalism in Arizona, and it's, it's it's this is actually probably a good transition because it's exactly what I was talking about earlier about wanting to to do well and do good at the same time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm talking about is wanting to make money and help the world at the same time. yeah, which there's no one on the planet that I think can consciously say that they don't want. Right? It's just not the way that that capitalism is inherently always built. You know what I mean? It's like right. politicians paying attention to you know the source of their fundraising mm-hmm. okay. more than the constituents. You know what I mean? It's right. kind of like the way that business works in a lot of ways where it really tends to favor what benefits the owners and shareholders.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: And so the, the major differentiator in the conscious capitalism model You know is the stakeholder component to where if you treat your employees well your vendors well your customers well the community well Mm -hmm. that you'll grow your profits even more than if you had primarily focused on just the ownership stakeholders right right which are more often called shareholders right so um what's happened now in this world of metrics and analytics is that there, there's a book called Firms of Endearment with an F okay. plan words, you know what I mean, yeah. that has shown, and you know how statistics work, you know what I mean, and there's ways to yeah. it, but um, I've met the, the author a few times, and he's really cool dude. His name's Raj Sodia, um, Raj, uh, but uh, his, his basic premise is that he's shown mathematically that businesses that have a higher purpose, you know, the... The Whole Foods, uh, Southwest Airlines, even though they do have bumps in the roads themselves, Patagonia, you know, container store that they outpace their competition mm-hmm. because the, the primary component is when your employees are bought in, then they treat your vendors better. They treat your customers better. You know, they're, yeah. more, they're more productive. Right. So that you outpace the competition. So now it's starting to be proven fiscally. Not wow. just emotionally, Yeah. that by adopting more of a stakeholder approach as opposed to a shareholder approach, mm-hmm. that your business will gain a competitive advantage and make more money.
0: Wow. That's a good point. It's true. Yeah. You know yeah. what I
1: mean? It's like, do you want to date the hot person or the smart and funny person? You know what I mean? Right. And, and, <laughs> right. Who yeah. in the world is going to say, you know you put people on the button, they might say they prefer one or the other, but who doesn't want both? Right, yeah. I mean, so now this is an imperfect solution filled with a bunch of conjecture and refutation, a bunch of like, let's go this way, let's go that way instead. But really the ethos of the conversation is truly that this is a positive direction that we're going in. We don't have it completely figured out yet. We're going to continue to iterate. Mm -hmm. But the more examples of people who are pulling it off, and we're trying to be one of those people who are pulling it off, and show you you know what i mean that we make the best corporate engraved gift on the planet earth because the very first thing that people do when you come in their house is they ask you if you want some to drink just like yeah, for example. right
0: yeah you know and
1: so if you're a business person who wants a competitive edge over your other business people you want to have your conversation told more often to get more repeats and referrals yeah so really what i want to do is to collect and transform our wine bottles but that's not what i talk about that's the byproduct yeah. What I talk about is let's get you more repeats and referrals, mm-hmm. or let's differentiate your restaurant or hotel. Yeah. You know to make right. you more green and give you better cool stuff that's beautiful on your tables.
0: Right. Yeah. Even not, though not. what
1: I really want is to to rescue more models.
0: Yeah, that's pretty interesting because I feel like uh, I feel like that's the way things are moving. You know what I mean? I think people are are getting more waking up to the. Um, the corporations treating people better, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like yeah,
1: the glass door. Uh, there's, I think, transparency is kind of the word that most people use mm-hmm. for that basic sentiment, you know. And and what's really happening now is that in the financial markets, people are turning more towards real estate because they want they know the value that they're gonna get from real estate. It's a piece of land on the planet Earth. You know right. I mean? yeah, yeah. There's never gonna be any more of. Yeah. At this point until we start colonizing, you know, like bad lands in the ocean or whatever. But <laughs> right. like really what's happening with the stock market is that people are becoming increasingly weary of these board member chairmans, you know, they're making all these millions of dollars. And they're making them have more transparency over their books. And mm-hmm. it's all about it. They're calling it like the Google effect or the internet. It has to do basically with how accessible information is over the internet. Right. That they're not allowing these boards to have these backroom conversations anymore. That they want more transparency. Yeah. And I think of charities. Especially like you used to be able to give money to a charity. You had no idea where the hell it went. Mm-hmm. And now people are saying because they're so used to now having more information about what's really going on. They're like, here, I'll give you this hundred dollars, but you have to tell me where it's going. Right. Where that didn't used to be the case, you know? Yeah. So now I'm post nine eleven charities got blasted because there was so much corruption and people just, Oh really? Oh, oh terrible. man. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, it's the same thing with any tragedy is that you just get these wolves that come, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll get you to a certain degree, but it's just less and less. Yeah. And it's going to be the same thing with politics too. You know what the, it, the internet is truly changing the world because of transparency, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I have competitors that make glassware or they make candles from pre-consumer bottles and they still say they're made from repurposed wine bottles. Wow, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it, low tide is gonna come and they, they're swimming naked right now and they're gonna get theirs. Yeah. It's just going to happen, you know, because the millions of bottles that are going to landfills, the EPA says that two thirds of bottles go to landfills and I actually think that it's more than that because of the recyclers who are still getting into landfills. Yeah, You know, they're, if they buy it from a winery or someone who had excess non-used wine bottles yet or from the manufacturers themselves, which a lot of them do, either from the U.S. or China, yeah. they're not helping that two-thirds statistic. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is, a, is marketing, and a lot of them have great marketing and run great businesses, but they're not actually helping the problem. Right, and they don't have our uniqueness, and they don't have our story, and everyone knows that, you know what I mean? But yeah. at some point, the tide's going to go out on them, and I don't know. I just think it's kind of sad that people get get hit so much with marketing, and they don't see past. Yeah. The descriptive, you know, it,
0: yeah, adjectives. yeah, exactly. Well, and that's kind of what that organization is trying to do is trying to bring awareness to that and exactly. encouraging businesses to take that approach.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of education that goes on. Our particular chapter is focused on um, educating the next generation. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a, let's take this, we're, we're sitting in an office in a 38,000 square foot building. You know what I mean? If this building had layouts and fences and everything in it, would it be easier to remodel this building from the ground up while businesses are operating mm-hmm. or to build an entire new building? Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So for the future generations of both Business leaders, business owners, and employees—you know—to um, whatever extent it would be easier for them to start off with those expectations than it would be for us to change the minds of the boomers who are like, "Hey, kid, this is the way we've always done it." You yeah, know? Like, they're not gonna—they're not gonna change. Much.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Conversation a few times is pretty funny, actually. Really. <laughs> yeah. <A few> <laughs> so. Um- where, what's next for you guys? Like, where, where, where do you see this, this going? I know you got the 10 million bottle goal and you guys are close to the, the first million. What's what, what do you see down the road?
1: It, it's really uh, partnering with, with people um, who get it and who operate it on a lot bigger level.
0: Okay.
1: So before I think a lot of people would look at us and be worried about capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, hey, we have this national, whatever restaurant chain, we have national gifting program we have national whatever you know what i mean and so now that we have such strong connections with the community and access to wine bottles and restaurant groups and whatnot and we have um manufacturing space to grow into Mm -hmm. and the technology to make more glasses and systems you know to, to be able to ship them and fulfill orders. Yeah. Really, it's a function for me to show from a marketing and sales standpoint, and I'm an ops guy because I love engineering Yeah. and developing new products, um, the value that we provide that other people don't. You know what I mean? So if right. you have this corporate gift compared to another, I mean, if you have a keychain holder mm-hmm. that mom and dad might use and it you know hangs on the wall and it has the last name for their people on it, mm-hmm is that going to get you more referrals and repeat business than our glassware that people are going to touch and use and show their friends every time they come over right and so that's that's value proposition or unique selling position like hardcore entrepreneurial why is your stuff better than my stuff Mm -hmm. in terms of quality value speed you know what i mean right uniqueness and so we're really playing hard in the corporate gifting world right now okay and, and in hospitality you know and we do we do have the most reviews on Amazon and that's another marketplace where we have all of our products on, which is
0: okay, great nice,
1: great too. And I mean, just like restaurants operate off of stars from Yelp, you know, like Amazon is an important place to be right now. Cause that's where people look for third party validation, which is other people talking about you as opposed to you talking about yourself.
0: Right. Oh yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. So I mean and that's another transparency thing is like if I want to know more about you I can ask you about what you have going on but if someone else says really nice things about you it kind of counts for more
0: right I, yeah I agree like
1: the, the business world works yeah and that's why people look at Yelp and they don't go to your website
0: Mm-hmm. right yeah because you're gonna paint that picture of hey look how great this is you go to Yelp one and a half stars like this place was terrible <laughs> you know <Exactly>. so yeah <laughs> you know and so and and
1: that has a ton of value and people pay a lot of attention to it and, and they should
0: yeah yeah I agree so where. are Amazon has one place you can get your glasses. Um, where can people find both your glasses, news, things like that, online?
1: Yeah, and locations. I mean, RefreshGlass.com. Um, we Facebook, Instagram. You know, so uh, Refresh_Glasses. Our our Twitter handle and okay. our, our Instagram handle. Um, we are also going to be. I mean, we we've done. Ten events with the Phoenix Children's Hospital. Okay. Called the Refreshing Hour. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. and Very self serving fun name, but uh, actually uh, <laughs> the the girl from the Phoenix Children's Hospital made it for us, and I appreciate that. But uh, where we go into restaurants and hotels, and it's that win 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 type of aspect where we bring business into a local restaurant on a slower night of the week, like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We've sold every single one out. You know, seventy five people for ten bucks. We get one of our liquor distributor or wine friends to donate a drink and you get a free refresh glass product. Oh wow. So come, you'll get a free product, you'll get a free drink and support a local small business. And then all the money goes to the sick kids.
0: Wow. That's awesome, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so we're going to start, start those up again. We've done 10 in the past two years and just doing it monthly is kind of a lot of coordination, but uh, I get to choose the venues of where we go. And it has to be someone who either uses our products or who, uh, or who works with us to collect wine bottles. Okay. So so really, the next step for me, and it's really, I'm probably the biggest roadblock in refresh glass growing, (laughs) is becoming a more savvy marketer and creating more strategic alliances with other people in similar industries who um, don't compete with us. You know, who sell the restaurants and who sell the corporate gifting
0: people. Gotcha. Why do you say you're the biggest roadblock?
1: you know, I, I always find myself wanting to create a new product or launch something new or or change direction, and really the best thing for me to do is just to, to be on the phones and out visiting people and uh, and being the salesman for the operation, you know, sales-based CEOs or whatever you want to call the person. I've never called myself a CEO, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, whoever, whoever's running the, the shop or whoever's, you know, Steering the ship, mm-hmm. they always seem to do better than the operations-based people, which is really my, my background and my passion. Right. You know, so I'm I'm gonna fill that role for a couple years, you know, and and get us to a specific place and be the champion of our cause. But in the end, I'll still create new products and launch companies. And now I'm starting to become friends with people who like who love sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And managing finance, um, and I'm going to partner up with them yeah. in the future on different endeavors, you know, so that we can all do what we love yeah. more often yeah. or more time during the
0: day. That's pretty cool because um, I always found that to be, I don't know, I, I would think as a as a creative person, when you start something on your own, the things that you're really not good at, you, you seem like you, you, you do that stuff. Still the business operations, the marketing, the sales, where you're a creative mind. I mean, I'm in your office here. There's like chairs made out of like Patron bottles. (laughs) There's a clock made out of like beer bottles and and all this stuff's awesome. So was it a tough transition for you to take the creativeness and turn it into a business?
1: I fought it for years, you know what I mean? Like I, my personal opinion, I think we should have been way further than we are right now. Okay. And granted, I'm filled with gratitude, you know what I mean? And pride with how far we've gotten, you know, because people at you know, they have a 10 by 10 farmer's market booth where I started, look at us and go like, oh, they've gone far, you know, and I'm just lost in the details. But at the same yeah. time, you know, if I would have known what I know now about inbound marketing, you know what I mean? And, and you know, running ads and, and connecting with people who have these amazing networks and finding ways to help them that help us at the same time, you know, five years ago, we'd be in a completely different place, but it's just been part of the evolution of me being an entrepreneur and not a creator because I see myself still as a creator, creative mind, and that's the part that I enjoy, but that's not the role I have to play to get where I want to go right now. Right. But it seems like you still do it. You still you just have <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah. Mean, that's- Everyone has their Wu-saw activity. Some people watch football, you know what I mean? Right. Some people go for hikes or mountain bike rides, you know what I mean? Yeah. I drill holes in crap. Right. I, I draw something on a, a bar back and I'll come into my shop and I'll, I'll make it because that's what makes me happy.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, Dude, you run a great company here. Um, I'm, I'm a proud owner of your glasses and, and look forward it. to more stuff. So thanks, Ray. Appreciate yeah, it, course. man. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Tap That AZ. If you want to check out the official website? It's tap that From there, you can link to the Facebook page and the Instagram pages. If you like what you're hearing, uh, leave me a review on iTunes or Stitcher or however you listen to your podcast. I love to get that feedback. So, coming up in the next episode, I sit down with Ryan and Christina from 8-Bit Ale Works out of Avondale. These guys got a really cool place that is themed around old school video games so stay tuned for the next episode in the meantime remember to stay awesome